You ever looked at your day calendar and saw the quote, cocaine is like really evil coffee. And I saw that just as I took my first cup of coffee. I got like one of these weird, like, not weird, but one of these cool, like, day calendar things. Like every day there's like a new quote on it. I got it for Christmas for my wife and my daughter. And the quote is from Courtney Love. And, and I look at it and I wonder, is this, did she really say that? I mean, did she really say cocaine is like really evil coffee? If she did, that is a crazy saying. I'm not going to test that theory, but it's a really crazy saying. Anyways, welcome everybody to episode number six, I believe, of this wonderful little podcast series. And we'll address the title of this podcast, which will probably have something like along the lines of the word failure in the middle of it, uh, in a few minutes. Let's see here. So we'll go off and we'll start. Uh, last week was uh, pretty busy. Well, not actually, not too, too busy. I did get a nice surprise day off from my, my main job, you know, the one that pays the bills, which is kind of in line of the whole failure topic, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there in a few minutes. So last week, uh, let's see, one of the things that I did, and no, and this is, most of this is not really in any particular order. So since I had Friday off, and I was originally supposed to do my main 4,000 footer hike, on Saturday, because I usually try to do those things on the weekends, you know, of course, you know, the typical nine to five, Monday through Friday, the real job. And then you try to fill in all of your free time in two days. So with Friday off, you know, I did my 4,000 footer hike, which we'll, we'll talk about on Saturday. I was like, you know, or at least Friday, I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And my wife was wonderfully hinting at the fact that, hey, you know, I'll go hiking. So it was like, you know, what the hell, let's do that. You know, let's, let's keep working on the, um, you know, our, our list of all the local hikes that we want to do. So in this case, you know, we hit up another local hike in town because that's really been our goal is to try to get, or at least from for me, try to get all through the major trails. I think my wife wants to do some of the other ones, or like some of the smaller hikes. But for me, I want to, I do try to find the ones that have got like, you know, between two to five miles worth of trails that you could really kind of walk around and at least explore them. I mean, we lived in this town for so long. It's like, why have we, why have we never hit these trails? So nothing... Nothing too, too crazy on the hike. I would say, though, out of all the town hikes we've done so far, I would say this was my least favorite. And mostly just because, you know, trying to be almost run over by mountain bikers. And we did run into one dude who was walking down the trail. This is towards the end. And I actually was thinking, I'm like, oh, I'll raise the rating of this trail to like maybe a three. You know, three being, and it's, it's all right. Because there was like one section that was very much, it was all about like there was no markers on the trails. And so it was kind of fun to be out there exploring out in the woods and try to figure out like where the trail was going to lead us. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to get lost. You know, we're in kind of a, not a big, big town, but decent enough sized town that if you really got lost, you could probably just walk in a direction. You'll run into a house or a road somewhere. But there was one section of the trail where there was no markers or whatever. And the trail definitely faded out and everything else. We actually got lost a couple times. Not Nothing like too crazy. Like we'd walk like a hundred feet or 200 feet and be like, wait, where, where are we now? As a matter of fact, I get to one part on the trail where I was walking down what looked like an old logging road. And I'm like, oh, okay, this looks like probably where the trail was going to go. And hadn't realized there was actually a bunch of sticks and stuff kind of like theoretically it was blocking the way, you know, basically saying instead of going straight, you're supposed to swing a right. But it worked out well because I managed to get a, a nice picture of what looked like some kids had been out in the woods at one time making a fort of sorts. You know, they looked like they had dug up like a fire pit in the ground, but... It looked like nobody had been out there for years, so I got a picture of like one of the chairs that was sitting there, and so that was kind of neat. But it was cool, you know. It was a good little hike right up until all right, so right up until the point where we 
we saw the guy with the dog. And this was like the last maybe half mile. He's coming up the trail. You know, of course, it's still COVID season. I think he yells out something like, oh, it's safe to pass or, you know, thank you or whatever. I don't really remember exactly what he said. But turned out he was he was really actually just talking on his phone. So it was really confusing what he said because it was sort of related to the to COVID and keeping, you know, your social distance and stuff like that. So I was like, what what did he just say? And he had a dog, which was fine. He had one dog on a leash and he kind of meanders on by, just kind of blabbering on the phone, you know. It's like kind of weird, like whatever, you know, kind of like I, I find it strange when I when people are out in the woods and like yammering on the phone and trying to hike at the same time. To me, that's weird. Maybe it's normal for other people, but I don't know, strange. So, we, you know, we had gotten out of the way, kind of gave him his distance. He kind of meanders on by, yapping on the phone, totally in his own little world. And then he had this little tiny dog basically follow him. That was probably a good 50 feet behind him, it looked like. And so he turns around, looks at us, looks at his dog and goes, oh, don't worry, my other dog is just lazy. Goes back to his phone call and just keeps right on walking. And that dog was one of the slowest dogs I've ever seen. Like, it was just kind of poking along, poking along. And it was like watching a really, really slow train wreck happen. Because we kind of like, at this point, my wife and I were just like looking at each other like, what what, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> like, I mean, it wasn't like a mean dog or anything like that. I mean, the dog was clearly old and, you know, was definitely just trying to like, just try to keep going. And you knew what was going to happen. The dog kept meandering, 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 kind of coming closer, coming closer. And it gets to the point where it stops and looks at us. And I'm like, I knew that was going to happen. My wife yells over to the guy like, hey, you got to get your dog, you know, like, because we don't want the dog to follow us. Not that we couldn't outpace it, but, you know, the guy was clearly not paying any attention. So it really sucked if we walked like a half a mile up the trail and turned around. The dog's been following us the entire time. And that guy's still having whatever conversation he's having. At the end, we were just like, that to hell with it. We just booked it. We just walked around. The dog just booked it up the trail. I mean, hopefully the dog kept following him, but whatever. But it was kind of funny. But it kind of lowered the ranking of my trail. I, I don't think I'll ever go back there. But I will say the one section now where we kind of got to meander through the woods, you know, feeling like we had the place to ourselves because we didn't see any people out where we were. It was great. You know, you're talking like being out there on a Saturday and having trails to yourself. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that now that, you know, the, the, you know more and more people are getting their vaccines. And so the local trails, I think, are no longer being crushed with people anymore. And a lot of them, at least in New Hampshire, are starting to head north. They're heading to the lakes regions. You know, they're going back to what their normal lives are. And that's usually what we used to be the MO, you know, when we used to go hiking. You know, we would stop. We eventually had stopped. And I think I talked about this in a previous episode. But we had stopped really going really far up into the White Mountains because that's really where all the tourists and all the crowds are going. And we found that if you stayed local when we did go hiking, you generally had the place to yourself most of the time. So... Up until last year. Last year was a little nuts. It was always so busy. So we pretty much just avoided everything. Uh, looking at the pictures of this hike, um, they're pretty good. I think I got some got some decent pictures. I've been trying not to worry so much about like you know like the time of day, that perfect golden light. Actually, we can talk about that here. So one other project I still continue to work on as well is trying to photograph all the various things of the town that I live in. And I've been trying to do that on Sundays. And I had went out this past Sunday to, you know, photograph like four or so different locations. So I'd have like a picture, like for one picture a week for the month, you know, whatever I can post on Instagram, you know, yada, yada, yada. So one picture I wanted to grab was this tractor. And of course, I do this whole photo sessions like after I'm done photographing the birds, the wildlife stuff that I've been doing every Sunday morning now. So, of course, the sun is going to be less than ideal. 
So I started using a polarizer to help cut down on the glare, and I would say it really helped on the picture of this uh, tractor here. Sure, maybe it would have looked a lot better in more of a, like an early morning or an evening type sunlight where everything's a little bit more golden, subdued, you know, but the polarizer, I think, actually did a pre pretty decent job on this. I did some light editing, you know, to make it look, make it look a little bit better. And I think overall, I was actually really happy with the picture. I was like, actually, when I took a picture of this tractor, first I was like across the street and I had my 50 millimeter and I'm like, I'm taking these pictures and I'm like, all right, this is cool. This is cool. And I'm kind of like getting the road and I'm thinking like, ah, I can crop this, you know, whatever, do this, do that. And then I'm like, why am I way over here? Why don't I just cross the street and get a little bit closer? Because it was just enough room because where this tractor sits, is like an intersection. So people come down the road, there's like a stop sign and then there's like another busy road, you know, crossing it or whatever kind of running perpendicular to it. So make sure there was no cars coming. I ran across the street and I had my polarizer on at that point and I took the picture and I was glad I actually moved in closer because it also cut out a lot of the distracting elements. I think the only major distracting element that might be in this picture, there's like a little windmill on the top, but it's kind of blurred out. But I think it kind of adds like a, a little bit of a dimension to it because it makes it really feel like it's on a farm. So I didn't really have to do any like crazy cropping to the picture. And I think it worked out a lot better to get a lot closer and kind of frame the picture better between the polarizer and then some light editing in, in Lightroom. I think I really cut down the glare because I think there was a lot of glare right where at the top of it, it says Grandview Farm. It didn't look all that good. So again, Lightroom did a good enough job and I was like, okay, good. I'm, I was actually really happy. I liked the reds, how it kind of popped out on this tractor. And I'll put, a, I'll put a link in the description to this picture too. So hopefully you can all see it. Uh, what else? Just for catch up news. Uh, oh yeah. So last week I also did, I continued my weekly summit trying to battle myself to get to the summit of a mountain and then back before I actually go to work. And I pushed myself on this one. I think it turned out to be, I did finally make it to the summit. Of course, the summit is more or less viewless. There was like maybe just a couple little sections where there was a view. Really on this trail, it seems like the ridge trail is where all the best views are. So I'll probably, I don't know how often I'll actually go to the summit. Maybe when I get even to more, more and more shape where I can really just power my way right up to the top of the mountain without really slowing down. I think I got some time limits in my in mind to help me get up there. But, you know, I got to the summit and I think it was this picture that I realized I should be bringing my polarizer. Because for a while I was bringing some bunch of filters and stuff on each one of these hikes. But I realized I was never using them. So when I took this picture and I realized ah, I'm not... You know, the rocks are kind of overblown a little bit, but, you know, the picture looks kind of neat. Well, look good enough. It just so I tell the story I finally made to the top of the mountain. So I wasn't looking again for any technical perfection, but I realized I should be bringing my, my filters, at least a couple filters with me at all times to, to just to handle some of these type of situations that I've been running into where maybe the light is not going to be ideal. So something like a polarizer will help make the editing process a little bit easier uh, later on. Because as usual, you know, I, I, on Sunday afternoons, I'll take all my pictures and I organize them all. And then on Mondays, I'll sit down and I'll do light editing across the board. You know, I'll figure out which pictures I like and don't like. And it's actually been nice because I don't spend so much time on one picture. You know, I, I have like a time limit of like, I would say maybe a couple hours, two, well, two to three hours or so of 
before I start my work day to sit down and go through all my pictures and get them all edited and figured out. And then I, I use a service to make sure that my pictures can get scheduled or at least will notify me, hey, you got to post something on Instagram, which I still like doing. I've certainly made my peace with Instagram. I don't think I'll ever be like an Instagram influencer, as as they say. That's just just not in the cards for me. And that's totally fine because at this point, I just want to share the pictures. If I don't share the pictures, like who's out there who's going to really be looking at them all. So, so that's been fun. So that's what I do. So that way I know I have pictures for the week. They'll all be posted on Instagram. And, you know, it just keeps that process flowing. Well, let's see. We'll talk about the wildlife pictures because I think it will sort of dovetail a little bit. Not completely into sort of the main topic of this podcast. The main discussion about this podcast is really about don't be afraid of failure. So let me, I guess, set the stage. Kind of go through kind of what happened, really. So, as I mentioned earlier, Friday was, or last Friday was a surprise day off, we'll say. And so, when I was looking at, like, what can I do on Friday, because I basically found out, like, Thursday morning or so, like, hey, yeah, you know, everybody's been really good, you know, working hard, everybody take Friday off, go enjoy the day, you know, you've all earned it. So, I was like, all right, great, that's awesome. So, I had two choices. I knew the following week I was going to be backpacking, and then I knew that after Friday on Saturday because that's how days of the week work, that I was going to be hiking Mount Hale. And I'm like, well, I can either go backpacking, which would be a stealth camp. I was like, it'll be, it's actually my final stealth camp of the season or of this year. I should say not the final like backpacking trip, but my final stealth camp, you know, essentially some gear shakedown stuff. And I'll talk about assuming the weather holds out, which is a little bit iffy right now. If the weather holds out, I'll, I'll talk about that in the next uh, episode. So I do talk to my wife because she's going to have to be the one that brings me. I try to go around 930 or 10 and I've been going on like a Friday because, you know, again, I don't condone, you know, people trespassing or anything like that. In this area I'm going to, it's a public, you know, hiking trail. There's no there's no signs overtly saying, hey, you're not allowed to be, you know, camping out here. I think it just says stuff like no fires, which is fine. Because when I'm, especially when I'm doing these stealth camps, I do not set fires. I, I find it'd be kind of weird to like let people know, hey, there was somebody out here camping, you know. I basically want to go out there, have a fun night, do plenty of hiking, and then go, you know, camping, sleeping, and then come home. I don't want to ruin it for other people that are like, you know, like me, being very discreet, don't really tell anybody where you are, and basically just don't make a big deal about it. Meaning like clear a bunch of area, you know, clear a bunch of land, make a big fire and basically, you know, cause some problems, which I should circle back to the hike that we, my wife and I did do. Apparently somebody, some people or a person or whatever, they were on top of this little mini hill or mountain or whatever. And they had set a fire, maybe some kind of campfire, or whatever, and basically burned most of the top, which is really sad. You know, like if you're going to light a fire, be really, really super careful. Like this area had no water around it. Like I'm not even sure, but like what were they were really thinking? My guess, I don't know what time of year it was. I'd have to, I should have probably asked my wife. She probably knew what time of year it was, but either way, it was really dry up there. It's like grass and everything. So you can imagine that any fire that got out of control would have just spread and I've got pictures on my I'll post the picture or at least the um, photo album again in the description as well for people to see the photo album shows like I got like a like a stump that's basically been all charred and everything else and just shows like the evidence of fire that was up there it's kind of sad that a lot of those trees got burnt down but anyway so coming back 
you know, I talked to my wife and she's like, you know, she's really busy with her job and everything else, everything else. And she's like, you know, I really can't spare the hour it's going to take me to drop you off and then come back and get back to work. And, I, you know, she was kind of hemming on. She's like, no, no, no. So like, you know what? It's OK. It's cool. I know the weather looked rough, but no big deal. We'll deal with it. So I said, all right, I'll move my 4,000 footer hike up. Instead of doing it on Saturday, I'll do it on Friday, meaning, hey, there's really that will probably be a light traffic day, you know, foot wise and people wise to do it on a Friday. Cause it, it works out just as well. And the day was gorgeous. I mean, the, the, the day it was like in the seventies, probably felt like maybe 60s, 70s. Of course, you know, I, I sweat like a pig. So anything above 50 is like just sweltering to me. So it was cool. I packed up all my stuff. I made sure everything was all charged up, which was another reason it was probably good not to do the backpacking trip. Uh, for me, it, although I have my lists, it's all part of my shakedown stuff. Like I, I'm trying to make sure that I get a routine down. I have all like everything all organized, you know, from a to-do list that says, okay, this is all the gear that you need to bring. You know, I've tweaked it from my last experience. So I don't want to feel rushed because once I start feeling rushed on a trip, I'll forget things like my one of my weekly summit hikes. I forgot my tripod because I was rushing, you know, I wasn't like spending the time to think and be clear, you know, okay, what are the things? Make sure you have everything. And so for a backpacking trip, when you're going out there, no matter where you're going, it's always, in my mind, you want to be prepared. So it worked out well. I was like, all right, we're not, I'm not doing that. We'll just do the main day hike. My backpack that I use on my, you know, my weekly training trip is the same one I use on the 4,000 footer. So like pretty much all my gear is in there. You know, the worst thing I got to do is maybe, maybe I'll bring like I'll make sure there's an extra battery or an extra memory card. I got plenty of water. I'll bring a little bit extra food. Like it's just some minor things that I'm like, okay, I should make sure I grab these things before I go. And then maybe I'll prep like a little mini breakfast to have, you know, on my drive up. Because that's usually what I'll do. I'll get up at, you know, I'll get up at four and I'll try to get on the road by 4.30 to get up there in a reasonable amount of time. Actually, I think I left a little bit later than normal. So I was stuck in a lot of not like rush hour traffic, but there was certainly a lot more traffic out when I left, especially considering it was a Friday. So you're talking like commuter traffic as well. So the drive in of itself was, we'll just say it was a bit of an adventure and we'll leave it at that. But I got to, I got to the parking area for Mount Hale and I should say up in the White Mountains, if nobody's really familiar with the area, and it's probably the same probably for a lot of mountainous type areas and communities and states or whatever, but a lot of the roads are all gated off during the winter. And, and I would imagine, you know, there's probably several reasons. Um, one of the main reasons I could figure them all being closed off is just the maintenance and the upkeep for all these little side roads. A lot of them are all dirt roads. They're, you know, like they're not like big, wide, two-lane roads that are easy to maintain. So they usually just shut them all down because it would just be a nightmare for all these little roads that lead you to all these trailheads to be opened up so you can basically take your car and drive to the trailhead, essentially cutting down on your foot time, or at least how much time you're going to be hiking on. And actually, I got a picture here of the road, which is Zealand Road, that takes you to the trailhead. So what you do is if you want to go to Mount Hale and go up the official uh, Halebrook Trail, when the gate is closed about, we'll say, like an eighth of a mile, quarter mile, whatever it is, like just down the road, just past it, there's like a really big parking area. So that's where you start. You park there and then you, you walk up the road like on a wide shoulder 
one thing I noticed too is when I got most of the way to Zealand Road, I looked down and I realized, I was, or looked down the embankment, there was actually a big wide open path I probably could have walked down. Most likely that parking lot I was at in that path is all related to when it's sled season or snowmobile season, however, whatever word you choose there. That's like their path to get up out into probably up Zealand Road or, or wherever they're going. That would have been, of course, the safer place. But again, once I get up down to this main, main road, it really wasn't, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of people out there. And it was fine. There was plenty of room to be off the side of the road. So you walk to the beginning of Zealand Road. And what greets you is a pack you in like sardine cans camping area. I personally would not want to camp there. I can imagine during, the, especially during the summer, this is like a main road, like Route 302 uh, up in the White Mountains is like the main road to get you through a lot of different sections of the White Mountains. And so speed limit's like 55, 60 through there. So, you know, not only would you have tourist traffic, but, you know, you have like 18 wheelers driving through there and not to be included that fact that you're being packed in like sardine cans around there on all these little campsites. So you walk up the road and the road hike in of itself is about two and a half miles. I think it's actually two and a half or for me, it was 2.7 miles from my truck to the official Haleburg trailhead. In Zealand Road, you know, the, the hike up it to the first part, there's like a little bit of elevation gain. But at this point, there's like no snow out there. So I'm walking up this road and looking all over and I'm like, it, it's beautiful. Like there's no snow anywhere. The sun is shining. You know, it's just like this beautiful, beautiful warm weather. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is going to be a great, great hike. You know, I didn't see anybody. I had the road to myself, which is, which is a cool experience for me. I love the fact that I'm like, I'm out there I'm by myself. And I just feel like I have the, I have the entire place to myself. And I should preface a lot of this by saying I did read some trail reports as well. And a lot of the trail reports I had read, and I think, as long as I remember correctly, they talked about, of course, that the gate was closed. You know, getting there was very straightforward, very easy, like nothing to write home about. But, you know, just it was just an easy walk. And then I think they talked about a brook crossing, said, oh, one guy's like, yeah, you'll probably get your feet wet, but, you know, no big deal. And then lots of mud, I think, was sort of like the other one I read. So I was like, okay. So in my mind, I had this picture of a hike that's going to be Pretty easy for the most part. Look out for mud. Maybe I'll see some snow at the higher elevations, but should be pretty, pretty straightforward. And and of course, you know, when I'm walking up Zealand Road to the trailhead, everything that I'm seeing fits this narrative in my head. I'm like, all right, this is great. This is exactly what I'm seeing here. Perfect. So you walk up the tarmac for a while and then it turns into dirt and you follow the dirt and you keep going and going and going. And then you finally get to the trailhead. So when I got to the trailhead, you know, I... You know, I'm looking at the map that's all there and everything else. And I already had maps on my phone, so I was good to go. I usually, I try to download the maps to for offline use, which worked out really well in this case, because at some point, I don't know where on this road, I basically lost cell phone signal. So I was really, you know, I was out there. I was good to go. And once I got about a mile or two up this road, you don't hear anything from 302 anymore. Like, it's a feeling of being secluded out there. Because once you don't hear the traffic anymore, you know, it really helps you feel like you're being enveloped by the forest. Like you're really, you know, you really get the appeal of being up in the White Mountains. So I get to the trailhead and I'm looking at the trail and, you know, the woods and everything is still very much bare. You know, you see all the leaves, the trees, the broken twigs, you know, all that kind of stuff like that's there. But what I did see was like, okay... Going up the trail was a couple inches of of ice, and that's a lot from the monorail. And I don't know how many people are familiar with like some of the hiking terms, but the monorail, I guess, is kind of 
is known is essentially the, the trail pack or the trail that people have been following to get to 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 a place in this case, we'll say to the summit of the mountain, there's a monorail. And over the course of time, so many people walked on it, it's packed all the snow down. So like in a lot of the hikes I did earlier this year, or at least the two hikes I did earlier this year, even though there was like two to three feet of snow, I was walking on, you know, basically this very hard pack above it the entire time. And that's what happens. You know, people pack it down, ice and everything over time, you know, freezes and hardens. And it makes it pretty much a, a, a pleasant experience, you know, walking to the top of the mountain. A lot of the times you might be above trees where you normally wouldn't be. There'd be so much snow out there. So I get there and I see what, you know, again, still fitting pretty much that narrative a little bit. I mean, there was like a little bell went off in my head. Like, I don't remember the guy saying anything about this in his trip report that there was going to be a little bit of ice. So I tried without my micro spikes of walking up the trail kind of I'm like, well, maybe there's enough room on either side and maybe it's only certain sections. Maybe the rest would be all dirt and mud. So I'm not going to bother stopping, you know, put spikes on the trail in of itself was only 2.2 miles. So I'm like, yeah, we should be able to bang this out. And Mount Hale is listed as probably one of the easier uh, trails to get to the summit. And maybe it's the shortest. I don't remember, but it was certainly going to be one of the shorter trails. If you excluded the road hike that I had to do, it's certainly one of the shorter trails to get up. So yeah, a little alarm bell went off in my head and I started walking up the trail and it was like, all right, there's a little bit of ice here. Okay, fine. I'm prepared. It's messing up my gait here, my routine, my rhythm. You know, I, I, I don't want to be out of breath, you know. So I'm like, fine, put on the micro spikes. So I stopped, I did that, put them all on, and then I was able to walk. It was just fine. So now I'm like, I have no problem with slipping. There was ice and then a little bit of slush. It was kind of slushy a little bit too. So the micro spikes certainly were helping a lot more, but I still had to be a little bit careful. But, you know, my rhythm, I started getting my rhythm, kind of huffing my puffing my way up, you know, going through all the normal thoughts that I always have. Like, what am I doing? Why have I decided to do this again? Like, what, what, what's the deal here? Like, why? So fine. But as I kept going, okay, now now there's a little bit more, tra there's a little bit more ice, there's a little bit more snow on the trail, a little bit more, a little bit more. And I'm like, okay, all right, but we are going up an elevation. Nothing to be too, too worried about. And then I get to the first brook crossing and... It was, it was crazy, at least in my mind. Again, this is just my mind, like how I visualize it. Like it was nuts. Like, wow. Okay. I, he did say something like the triple voice did say something about maybe my feet might get a little wet. I'm like, okay, this must be the section he's talking about. Never really thinking that this trail might actually cross this brook twice. Okay. And I'm, so I'm standing there and I'm pondering, like, how am I going to get across this? The brook is, you know, the, it's just rolling right down. I mean, it's not like super wide or anything like that. And probably during the summer, you know, you could probably just walk right through the water and be just totally, totally fine. So I'm looking and I'm like, all right. And then across it, I, I could cross the brook. I see is where just an obscene amount of snow is over there. It was almost like there were, the brook was the dividing line between where I was which was spring and then winter on the other side. So much, so much snow. And I'm like, hmm, this is not good. Like this is this is looking a little bit more sketchy. Like, all right. Again, I only have micro spikes. I have no snowshoes. I have no trekking poles. And I typically don't, I don't think I've ever used trekking poles in my life. And I'll, I'll if I remember, I'll touch on that in a bit. So I was like, okay, I'll figure out, I'll get across this. No problem. We'll just do this we can do this. And I found some rocks. I jumped and hopped across some rocks and thankfully I didn't get my feet wet. But that final hop I saw was like, Ooh, I'm going to sink. Like I'm going to sink into the snow. So I had to be a little bit careful. 
But I did make it, no feet wet, I didn't actually sink, I was good to go. But now I can see where the trail was certainly not as well traveled. And I think what had been happening was people probably getting to that first brook crossing and was like, yeah, maybe I'm just not going to do this hike. And I probably should have did the same. But I said, no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm experienced. Like, I, I know what to do. I've got enough emergency gear. Like, if stuff really, really hits the fan for me, I'll be good to go out here in the wilderness. Like, I think I should be able to survive. So I jumped across, started walking. And almost immediately, I think I regretted the decision. I would take like five steps and sink. And I was sinking up into snow up to my waist. And and I was like, what what is the deal here? But a lot of it, I was on top of the snow. So I'm like, okay, okay, this is fine. And so that went on for about a quarter of a mile. Maybe you were 10 to 15 steps, I'd sink. Okay, yep, sink like to snow up to my waist. And then I get to part to a part of the trail where it turns into like, I want to say uh, valley-ish, because that seems to be the best description of kind of where I was. It's almost like where the, it's like almost two mountains kind of come together. And so I'm walking up this very narrow, narrow section of dirt. So to the right of me would be like two to three feet of snow, it seemed like. Again, this is all my head. You know, my, my mind is now just racing here like, oh God, what have you done? What have you done? What have you done? And now I'm walking and then onto the left of me, what I visualize as like a sheer cliff, but really was like kind of like a, a very, very steep, you know, angle kind of going straight down. Well, a lot of trees in the way, but you could hear the brook running. I mean, if you fell off, you, you were going down. It was not going to be a fun experience. You, I mean, I'd, I would have had to like grab trees to, to prevent myself from going way down the mountain. So now I'm walking on this very, very thin line. So my mind too, and ironically enough, I am not the biggest fans of heights. And I sometimes, I guess I'll call it vertigo, though I should probably look up where, really what that term means. But when I look at all of that, my mind is now going nuts. Like now it's become a mental game. Like just keep going, keep going. And I would say I spent probably a good 45 minutes, well, at least it felt like 45 minutes, could have been like 15 for all I know, going up this narrow patch. I'd then get back up on the snow. I'd sink into my waist and I'm like, oh my God, like I'm like grabbing onto trees and everything like that. I'm like, I'm, I'm totally blowing this like out of promotion in my mind. And I know that that rational part of my brain is like, dude, what are you doing? Like, this is, this is crazy. You know, we're not talking about photography here. We're just talking like... You need to keep hiking, keep hiking, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I fight through this and I'm like, oh God, I, I'm going to have to do this coming back, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And I would say even in the best of conditions, I think that trail would have still freaked me out. Or at least that section would have freaked me out, but I would have been able to do it. You know, I mean, heaven forbid I saw somebody coming the other way because I don't know where I would have gone to get out, get out of any person's way, especially with the snow there that just was like, oh my God. I'm glad I'm doing this on, 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 a, on a Friday because I'm like, there's nobody out here. I got the place to myself. So I keep going and I go and I go and then I get to the second brook crossing. And I'm just like, I'm looking at this and I know I'm up there, still the, the steep, steep cliff, kind of like going straight on down. The brook is roaring straight on down. And I'm like, what is this? Like, what is this? Like, there's nothing in the trail report that even remotely described what I had just gone through. It was nuts. Again, it's totally a mental game. Totally, like, I totally had psyched myself out. I know that. And I looked at this brook crossing and I looked at the water and, and I was like, there was enough snowpack to go over it, but I had been post-holing so bad. Now imagine this. So 
the weather's been warming up quite a bit here so like that monorail is now not as hard packed as it once was you know in order for it to maintain that the temperatures need to stay fairly cool all the time or else you run into the problem that i am having where you keep sinking you keep sinking the entire time and i'm like what what is this and so you've got this hard pack and you've got the brook raging right like underneath it and there's probably like a six inch gap so imagine like two to three feet of snow on top of it and then a about six inch gap underneath it where the brook was and then essentially the water just going straight down the hill. So there was a whole lot in my mind. I registered this like this is too much. This, there's too much danger for me personally to be out here alone to want to walk across this and then keep going up the trail because I knew what was ahead of me. If I went across the trail, there was more post holding ahead of me, more more of a struggle to get up to that summit. And it was a viewless summit anyways. I knew that. That much I do know. Everything said, like, there's a viewless summit up there, I guess. A long time ago, I guess, there was a view, but it's become so overgrown that it doesn't really, it doesn't, the, the view doesn't exist anymore. Could I have made it across that brook? Yes. But I decided, no way. I'm not doing this. I hit my personal limit, and I just turned around. And I'm not going to lie, I got about 50 feet back down this trail, and I almost turned around and said, screw it, you're doing it like you're doing it. And then the rational part of my brain said, no, you're making the right decision. You didn't make the trail. You didn't do it. Probably odds are you'd be safe. Probably thousands of other people have made this trek. But for me personally, I said, no way. I am not doing this. I just simply refused to go across that brook. And a lot of it is because I didn't want to be that statistic you know, as I've been more more and more part of this White Mountains and more hiking community, I, I pay more attention to the news reports. And there's usually like two or three every year where people are out there and they just get lost. They're unprepared. You know, maybe they don't have enough, you know, winter gear or, or you know, they kept pushing on without realizing, you know, maybe I'm in a bad spot. You know, instead of taking a, you know, a moment of like, where am I and how do I backtrack? They keep going forward. I chose not to go forward. And that's where that fail part is. And for me, it's like, don't be afraid. You know, other people may ridicule me for not moving across this tiny little brook. But I chose, no, I chose like, I'm by myself. The safe thing for me to do is turn around. Sure, that probably that section of the trail, which I felt like I was going to fall off the side of the mountain was purely mental and probably psyched me out probably more than normal. I was like, yeah, I'm, I chose, I chose no. So anyway, so I turned around. Of course, I made it back because I'm here recording this podcast. And I turned around and I walked back down the mountain. And, and it, at the end of the day, I don't regret the decision. I mean, yes, I'm bummed I didn't complete it because that just means I've got to go back and do it. But then I realized a few things. One, it was it was a good learning experience for me. As in, I'm going to be doing these 4,000 photos probably for the next two to three years. So it's a good experience to go up to these to these trails and learn about the weather conditions and get to be more familiar with the White Mountains about, you know, when can I hike? Like, when is a safe time to hike? And I realized that probably when I first started um, doing these 4,000 footers, I probably could be up there from probably mid-February up until about mid-March, I think is probably going to be that perfect safe zone for me mentally and probably monorail-wise as it's been so packed down over the course of like, we'll say, you know, November, December, and January, that there is plenty of people have packed it down over the time. So it, it's perfect. Probably once I hit April, I, I should basically say, you know what, 
from April through May, we're done. Unless there's like no snow up in the White Mountains, which then at that point, there's probably bigger problems with the planet. That's probably the ideal time to be not going up there. And that's what I've decided, you know, okay, at this point, I'm not going back up into the White Mountains until probably Memorial Weekend, which will probably be nuts. I'm probably gonna have to get up at like three in the morning get on the road by 3.30 to get up there to beat the majority of the traffic. And with luck, this gate will actually be open and I'll have to hike all the way up Zealand Road. But if not, then up Zealand Road I go. But I figure by the end of May, the majority of the snowpack should be gone. You know, that two to three feet of snow has will have had two months of, you know, sun and rain and warmth and just stuff just kind of just wiping it all away. Just keep, just keep wiping it so that I'll be ready to go. The mistakes I made, two of them that I made. One, I think one thing that would have helped me, which goes back to the whole hiking pole thing. If I brought hiking poles, I probably would have felt a little bit safer on that narrow path because I would have had like essentially at least three points of contact at all times to help with balance because that's my fear. It's like I'll lose my balance and fall off the side. Or if I'm on top of the snowpack, then I'll twist my ankle somehow and I'll fall off the side. You know, like these are the crazy thoughts that go through my head. So something like a, a, a pole, like a hiking pole would help in these situations. And I realized before I start even doing some of the bigger, more technical trails, hiking poles are like are, are a must because I know there'll be other trails that no matter how much I read, somebody will say, yeah, this is straightforward. And then I'll get to it and be like, good God, this is the most horrifying experience ever in my life. So hiking poles will help those, probably those situations out. So I put in an order for them. My wife has some great pair of like hiking poles. And she's like, hey, you can borrow mine. I'm like, no, no, no. They'll be good because I can then keep them to my backpack. You know, I always know where they are and I'm ready to go at a moment's notice to do these things. And I will say probably 95% of the time, I'll probably never need hiking poles. I, I like it, especially when I'm doing my training hike. Like it helps exercise the, my core muscles and makes me work on my balance that much more. But I do think I'll need them specifically when I feel like the trail is getting partially treacherous, at least treacherous in my mind. So that was mistake number one. Uh, mistake number two that I made was the fact that I didn't bring snowshoes. Now, I'm, I'm doing my weekly training hike, and a lot of it is to try to bring my weight back down. I know I'm out of shape. I've seen say it in my video, I and I've said it in my previous podcast. You know, I'm built from the waist up like Homer Simpson and then from the waist down like a mule, it seems like at this point. So I've got extra body mass, extra weight. The original snowshoes I had bought like two years ago, I think it was, will not support my weight. Because I didn't, again, that was, I didn't calculate the fact that I had my weight and then my backpack weight. So when I buy snowshoes, they should be supporting a much larger frame and much more weight. So I actually gave them to my wife. She said they were like amazing snowshoes. So, but if I brought a pair... I might have been more tempted to cross that brook because I think two things would have happened. On the trail that was freaking me out mentally, I would have used the snowshoes to go up to the summit that way. And I probably would not be sinking as much. And then when I got to that little brook crossing, I would have had a lot more confidence that my snowshoes were doing that job and I was really not sinking too far into the snow and I would have been good to go. And I probably would have plowed right up to the top, saw the summit, and then went back down. So two gear choices would have probably made my life probably a thousand times either. One or both of those would have been a huge, huge improvement. So I chalk this whole thing up is into like a great learning experience. 
I didn't get really any pictures of the trail because my mind was so freaked out that I was like mostly focused on what I envisioned was this version of like survival. Again, this is Mount Hale. Like it's probably one of the easiest trails up in the White Mountains, most likely. But again, psychologically, I just beat myself up over it. I was not unhappy with this entire hike because at the end of the day, I realized getting out there out in the wild, out in the wilderness and having an adventure is a much better experience for me. And and I got to hike up Zealand Road. I probably could hike up at any time, even whether the gates open or closed. And when I hike Zealand Road, you know, I got to see cool like little things that like if you're just driving, you'll just zoom on by, you know, like I see like there's all these little side trails. There was all these like big like camp areas, you know, much bigger than the ones at the at the head of Zealand Road. So I got to wander around those areas because they're all closed right now. So I was like, well, what are these campgrounds like? I don't want to pay for this. So it was sort of like having a private solo tour of these campground areas. Like I realized that there was like this wildlife pond area. And I think I saw that in review. They said when I got off Mount Hale, you know, be sure to go check out the wildlife pond. So that's what I ended up doing. And we'll just say I saw some interesting frog things happening out there. You know how frogs are made, but you, I've never personally had been around hearing how that all happens. And they make a very unique sound. And I had been hearing it like quite a bit just walking down the road. I'm like, what is that sound? And then when I got to the wildlife pond, I heard more and more of it. So I do have a picture on my website. And I think, yeah, the picture shows kind of like what is going on in Frogtown. We'll just leave it at that. The pictures are, they're okay. Did I bring, all right, because I didn't bring my polarizer. And that was the second trip that I realized that I'm like, I need to bring some extra photo gear to help with these pictures. I think if I had a polarizer, I might have gotten a better picture of the frogs and a couple other things. But again, I was thinking like, oh, I'm saving weight. I don't, I'm never using these things, but like been two or three times now where I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I, I need to, I need to bring the extra gear if you want to take some decent pictures. I did get a, I think was a, an okay picture of like a little boardwalk uh, that went out to the, to the wildlife pond. And I've got a shot of a mountain in the background. I was actually kind of really happy with this picture. It came out really actually pretty decently, like the nice depth of view, like just, I don't know, looks not postcardish, but I just love it. I just love it. it. Sort of tells the story of kind of like where I am and kind of like what's going on out there. So overall, I think the hike was, whew, I think I hiked probably 11 or 12 miles that entire day. I took a few pictures, but I was still happy. I was still happy I got out there. I was still happy that obviously I was still alive. Not that I would have died. Again, I think I would have been safe the entire time, but I was happy to walk away knowing I didn't do something crazy. I know that the mountain will be there um, the next time I go. And so that's what's going to happen. I'm waiting till Memorial Weekend, and then I'm going back up Mount Hale. And I figure I should be fine by then. Will I bring snowshoes on that one? No, I will not. But I will bring my hiking poles. So I figure that second brook crossing probably should be a little bit easier. I figure the snowpack above it will be gone. And at that point, then I know like, okay, what am I sinking into? Is it just rocks I need to hop across? I'm good. I'll just hop across the rocks. If my feet get wet, my feet get wet. It's a short trail. Hopefully I'll be able to park right at the trailhead. So I don't need to do the whole Zealand road. I can just do the quick 2.2 up and 2.2 back and we can just beat it all out. So yeah, so don't be afraid of failure. If you get to this point, and you, no matter what it is, don't be afraid to step back and say, you know what? I'm not doing this no matter what. 
Sure, I guess you can call it a fail, but understand like what led you to that point. Take a step back and kind of like think mentally, think later, like uh, how could I have improved that situation? And then take those steps and try to do it again later. At least that's, that's some sort of my advice. And that's what I'm going to do. Get my hiking poles and I'm good to go. Next year when I do these hikes, I know I will have a new pair of snowshoes that I will be bringing with me at all times during these winter hikes. And it may find that no matter what, whether I'm in March or whatever, I will have snowshoes the whole time and I'll use those for all my hikes going forward. So I guess the last thing will wrap this up because I know this, this podcast is getting a little long. So I almost had a second fail. There was a point when I was doing my weekly wildlife shoot, I was sitting there and I basically picked a bad spot. The weather was um, was a bit raw that day. You know, it was another raw, windy kind of day, overcast, so not very warm. And I picked a spot which I thought like, well, am I going to see anything here? And I'm still in this exploration phase of like trying different sections of this pond to see kind of like where the majority of everything seems to be hanging out. And I got there, I got all set up, and I sat there for like two hours, I felt like. It was about two hours, I'd say almost two hours of not seeing nothing. And I got to the point about an hour and a half in, I'm like, I gotta get out of here. Like, this is too cold, nothing's happening here. I finally did get like one bird picture, which I think at the end of the day, I didn't even end up using. But I spent a lot of time like using my binoculars and kind of getting a feel for them, scoping out the area. So, you know, there was certainly a little bit of that. But because of those binoculars... I realized as I was watching the land and I got used to like what was and was not there, I looked off into the distance and I'm like, I don't remember that dark shape over there. Like, what is that? Is that a log or something? And what turned out to be was essentially a river otter having its breakfast. And I was so happy because I realized I had waited long enough to actually see this. And if I had left a half hour earlier, I would have missed this whole experience. It was out there having its breakfast. I'm pretty sure it was a river otter. It certainly doesn't look like a beaver or anything like that. Although I think beavers are out there. Well, actually, yeah, I did see them. So he was out there and I got like a little bit of a video clip of it that I'll post um, probably at the end of this month. And then some pictures. I had to raise the ISO probably quite a bit. And I'd been doing some research last week about like how can I cut down on some of the noise in my pictures. Sure, there's like this tool like this Topaz like denoise utility. But I wasn't really happy with the quality like last year when I was using it. It just kind of like I felt like it ruined the pictures. And I'm like, how are other people doing this without like an AI driven utility or plugin in like Lightroom? So I found a nice little video and one guy's like, you know, talked about using like the... Um, some of the different sliders about cutting down on noise and sharpening and stuff like that. So I definitely did that in this picture. I can see where maybe I maybe over sharpened some areas, but the main focus, the river otter, I think I got to quite nicely because I only have, again, the 100 to 400 millimeter lens. So my reach is not as far as I would want it to be, but I've got like a high megapixel sensor. So I'm able to crop right in and kind of like offset that to that loss in millimeters. So between that to the high ISO, I knew I had some graininess in the picture, but I actually, with a little bit of experimentation, I think I actually got the picture pretty cleaned up. And so, yes, as usual, I'll, I'll post a link to this as well later on, or at least in the description of the podcast. And I did get a picture of uh, a morning dove sitting on top of a beaver, bro uh, beaver brook, right, on top of this um, beaver, beaver lodge. 
I did the same thing, the same denoise thing. I'm, I don't want to like, I know there's going to be a fine line. Hey, I've got this two cool new, a couple little sliders that I'm going to play around with. Eventually I'll find kind of like the look that I want. Like I don't need like all the graininess gone, but I would like a slightly more sharpened up picture to kind of eliminate some of that noise. So I'll get better over the course of time. And of course I can always go back to this image, turn all that stuff off in Lightroom and then kind of start over until I'm kind of happy with an end result. But I like the dove picture. I just, I just love it's like just out there looking. And it was another example of like, what is that? Like, what is that shape that's out there? And I, you know, I saw the picture, you know, at least I saw the morning dove. All right. I think that's it. I think we, we discussed everything that I had to discuss this week. Uh, looking at the weather for my stealth cam trip, like I think I said earlier, looks a little rough. So we'll see how that's going to work out. You know, they're predicting like six inches of snow or something, but I just looked at the weather report and it looks like mostly rain. So we'll see how that's going to work out. I may just hike in the rain and just kind of deal with it, but we'll see. We'll totally, totally see how that's all going to play out. Either way, you'll hear all about it next week. And I just want to say thank you, everybody, for listening. And again, don't be afraid of failure. It's okay. Whatever it is you failed at will probably be there again later on and chalk it up to like good learning experiences for yourself learn from them grow from them i don't want this to be like some kind of weird self-help uh podcast but it's the most cliche type of advice i can give and it's so very true i learned from this i learned from that experience i know that i can do that hike and i will challenge myself later with extra gear and push myself that much harder so again thank you everybody for listening and i will catch up with you all next week